Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. It's your favorite friend on Wednesdays, David Wheels Maxwell. Listen, this episode of Wednesdays with Wheels is brought to you by Falenga's Gourmet and Artisan Cotton Candy. This, listen, my next guest is Dan Mason, the general manager of the Rochester Red Wings. And I don't think of anything. There's three things I think about when I think about baseball and Red Wings baseball. I think about the crack of the bats. I think about the hot dogs. And I think about cotton candy. Who doesn't think about cotton candy? The kids love the cotton candy. This takes cotton candy to a whole new level, though, Falengas. They have over 60 flavors. And we're not just talking cherry and blueberry and, you know, the flavors you would normally see. We're talking flavors like fireball, banana, pickle. The best thing about Falengas, it's GMO-free. It's all allergy-free. If your kids have allergies, you don't have to worry about it. If you have allergies, because this isn't just for kids. If you're an adult and you like something sweet, this is for you. So call my friend Jennifer over at 585-415-1817. They are also out at the uh, public market and the Avon flea market. Check their website uh, or their Facebook page, Falenga's Gourmet and Artisan Cotton Candy, uh, and you can find out where they're going to be. So my next guest is the general manager of the Rochester Red Rings, Dan Mason. Dan, how are you? Very good, Wheels. How about you? Good to see you. Great to see you. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Let me ask you, first and foremost, what's it like to be back in the ballpark with baseball being played? Uh, it feels so great. I tell you what, opening night here a few weeks ago um, was just, uh, it was one of my favorite games ever here. Um, it was just so uh, awesome to see people in the stands again, having fun. And after not playing baseball for 624 days, it was just such a relief and uh, a great feeling to see everybody back and having fun as a community again here at Frontier Field. And before we get into your time with the Red Wings, let's talk about uh, what, if for those of, by the way, I was at the home opener uh, and it was, you guys did a, a phenomenal job with uh, just the, uh, you had to show your vaccination cards, and that was an easy process. But for people that haven't been to the ballpark yet, uh, tell them what they can expect. Well, I think first off, you know, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, we have great seats available for uh, for you. It doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. And I, I know there's a lot of confusion, I think, uh, out there with fans, but uh, the fact of the matter is we have great seats available in both unvaccinated sections and in vaccinated sections. And if you're, you know, um, coming to a game and, you know, th three people are vaccinated and three people are unvaccinated, um, you can all sit in the same section. You can all sit in one of our unvaccinated sections. So I, I think that that's just part of the confusion that we're trying to educate our fans about is, you know, it. it your vaccination status doesn't matter. Um, the fact of the matter is we're, we're here to entertain you and we've got great seats available. Um, and we just can't wait to welcome our fans back home here to Frontier Field. Uh, and let me ask you, was there was there some time with the, during that whole period? Because I was thinking of this as a fan of the Red Wings and the Rochester Americans and just minor league sports in general in Rochester. Was there a time during that layoff? Because it, it it has to be difficult for a minor league team to go through such a layoff. Was there a, was there a worry that, man, this is going to be hard to bring back? Or can we financially sustain 
a long layoff like this? Well, I think the whole time, right? It that was the one of the issues was just the the future was just so unknown, right? And time just seemed like COVID time. You know, three weeks seemed like three years, and uh, you, you know things were constantly changing. And and for a while there, they were changing, um, but nothing was really positive about any of the changes. And now I think the the script has been flipped, and all the changes are are positive now and are leading us back to normalcy. So um, while we started on opening night, I mean, even the day before opening day. Um, you know, things changed dramatically and we had to scramble to get things ready. Um, but we were happy to do that um, because it meant getting closer to normal. And we're inching closer and closer every day. And, and hopefully even by the end of the season here, maybe, um, you know, the, we'll be playing in front of a crowd of 10,000 people. That would be how amazing would that be? Um, that would be amazing. With, with fireworks after the game and just that's when I know we're really back. Yeah. It's uh and what about what about the players? What kind are there still lots of protocols in, in place for the players? Absolutely. You know, so we're dealing with not only protocols from New York State and the county and our, our local municipalities, but also from Major League Baseball. So there's certain rules that we have to follow um you know, to run our business, uh, but also to keep the players uh safe and to, you know, to follow Major League Baseball's rules, so we're dealing with a lot. Um, but so far, it's been uh, it's been very very good, and the players have been cooperating, and fans have been cooperating, and and like I said, every day gets better and better and better. And this will be our second home stand, um, and we're looking forward to welcoming fans back. and And I think it's going to get a little bit better every you know throughout the summer. It's going to get better and better and better. And I think it's important uh, important to point out too when you have to show your when you show your vaccinated card if you're vaccinated and you show the card you don't actually have to show the physical card like when I went I took a picture of it it was on my phone and I just presented my phone and they took a look at it and it was super simple so for people that are worried about having to carry that that big card around you don't have to do that no uh, you can, you, yeah. Go ahead. No, you, you're, you're absolutely right, Wills. You can show your Excelsior Pass. You can show a picture of your card on your phone. Um, and I think you went through it. it it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty quick process as long as you're prepared with your photo ID and your uh, proof of vaccination. And that's only if you're sitting in a vaccinated section do you have to show that. So if you have a ticket in an unvaccinated section, all you have to do is present your ticket and, and walk in. There you go. I wanted to talk another area I wanted to talk to you about because there were some changes just with the organization. You have a new, uh, you're the farm team of a new team. So how difficult, how difficult was dealing with all of this that you're dealing with COVID protocols and all of that? How difficult was it? And how anxious of a time was it when you find out that you have to go out and find a new, a new family per se? Sure. I think, you know, that the hardest part for us was that it was probably about an eight to 10 day period where we had found out that the twins were moving to uh, moving their AAA team to St. Paul, which is about 15 minutes from target field in, in Minneapolis. So we, we understood that, uh, why they were doing that. Um, you know, it wasn't anything personal. Uh, it's not like they didn't enjoy their time here. It was just a matter of, uh, it was going to be really closer for them. 
and that's really what it boiled down to. So that eight to 10 day period where we were just kind of a free agent and we couldn't really go out and talk to teams. We were just going to be assigned a team um, and we just didn't know who that was going to be. Um, so that, that was a little bit anxious, but um, we came out with a great partner in the Washington Nationals, a team that won the World Series as, uh, in 2019. And uh, they've been wonderful to work with, to be honest with you. We have a great manager in Matthew LeCroy, who played here for the Wings in 2007. So our, a lot of our fans remember him and had a great major league career with the Twins and the Nationals as a player. So, um, you know, it, it's been a great relationship so far. And it's been it's been weird because it's been hard to cultivate the relationship um, other than Zoom calls and, and phone calls and emails because of, uh, you know, travel restrictions during COVID and, and things of that nature. So now that we're, we're playing games again, um, obviously we're, you know, we're uh, dealing with the players and our coaching staff on a, on a daily basis, but, um, and, you know, all of our dealings with the Nationals front office and their brass have been via um, emails or, or texts or um, Zoom calls. So, Still haven't met a lot of those guys face to face, but I feel like we've known them and I uh, feel like we've been working with them for many years. And that's the one thing that is remarkable about the Red Wings just as an organization. Each one of their uh, partnerships that they've had with several different teams, I think, is this the fourth team? Yes. The fourth team has lasted a long time. I mean, yes. years upon yeah. years. Yeah, 1928 to 1960 with the St. Louis Cardinals and then 61 to um, 2002 with the Orioles. Uh, so 42 years with the Orioles and then 18 years with the Twins. And now this year, our first year with the uh, Washington Nationals. So uh, and after a, a slow start to the season, the team is playing much better. We're just coming off of a eight and four road trip, uh, hitting a lot of home runs. And our pitching is uh, pitching a lot better right now. So, um, you know, we've got a, an exciting team here this year and a lot of guys that have a lot of major league experience, as well as, uh, you know, some young guys like Luis Garcia and Carter Keboom, uh, guys that are going to play in the majors for a long time uh, after they leave Rochester. Now, if you could just pull back the curtain just a little bit, what kind of what kind what stuff does it take or how, what, you know, how much goes into once you sign a new affiliation, you know, uh, is there a lot of you, you're so you're bringing in new players because you're not with the, the old affiliation anymore. So is there a lot of getting to know the new players as well? How does that all work? Yeah, you know, it's always uh, every year we typically when we have uh, a team that comes back, we'll have, you know, we'll have 13 or 14 guys that played on our team at some point the previous year. Whereas this year it was all new guys and uh, all new players, um, all new coaching staff. So um, it does, you know, it, it's um, it was it was a different year this year. And again, we weren't able to really get to know these guys at spring training because we couldn't go to spring training. So um, you know, the first time we really met them was uh, when they got here, you know, two days before the season started. So uh, and we're still getting to know know them, but. Um, you know, we've got a great group of young men playing for us this year, awesome coaching staff, and uh, we're just really excited to be part of the Nats family. That's awesome. And one other question. I'm familiar. I'm a big hockey fan, so I'm familiar that the like the Rochester Americans can go out and sign 
some of their own players. Are you as an organization allowed to do that too? No, uh, at the minor leagues, we are not allowed, minor league baseball, we're not allowed to do that. So every minor league baseball team has a major league affiliate and the major league affiliate uh, signs those players and assigns them to one of uh, four minor league affiliates. So we're AAA. Then uh, every every major league team has a double A team, a single A team, and a uh, well two single A teams, uh, one high A, one low A, and then a double A team, and then a triple A team. So um, as I'd like to tell people, we we have no control over uh, the play on the field. Um, it's really all dictated by uh, by our parent club, uh, the Washington Nationals. So we I can't make trades, I can't sign free agents, I can't do any of that stuff. Everything that's related to what happens on the field is really, uh, you know, the Washington Nationals call. So nobody should come to you and say, what are you doing? Because it's not really your call. It's Right. So if we're having a tough night in the field, um, you know, please don't throw your hot dogs or peanuts at me because ketchup and mustard stains are awfully difficult to get out of suits. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. By the way, I think I saw you. I think I saw you at the home opener. I was up. I was. A friend of mine had a box, so I was up in one of the boxes. And oh, the, nice! But you were—I think you were all decked out in a tuxedo, my friend. Am I correct? That is that is true. Uh, you know, opening night, we we typically wear tuxedos, and uh, hey, this was one of the most important opening nights we've ever had as an organization. You know, we've been around since 1877, and I can't think of a more significant opening night than. Uh, the one we had here. It was really the largest gathering of our community since last March when all this happened, you know, when everything started to go down. So um, it was a big deal. And and uh, so I felt, hey, we, we got to break out the tux for this. This is a really big night. You were looking snazzy, my friend. And of course, we had Dr. Randoza was there uh, throwing out the first pitch. It was just a very well, uh, very well run uh, night and enjoyable to be back out at the ballpark. Now, I want to talk about as a as a hometown guy, because you grew up in the area, so mm -hmm. I want to talk. Was was professional sports something you always wanted to be a part of? As a player, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I grew up playing hockey, and you know, as a little kid, I always thought I was going to mm -hmm. be playing for the Boston Bruins. Um, that was my team back back then. Who they were affiliated with the Americans, by the way, when I was younger so yes they were for those that don't know. fans that remember when they were a Bruins affiliate so um you know that that's what I figured I would do but as I got older and I didn't get any bigger or any stronger I realized that uh you know there really wasn't a big need for a five six hundred thirty pound guy um that really couldn't do too much wasn't a good skater or uh, couldn't score um so <laughs> I didn't have a real there wasn't a real need in the NHL for somebody like me so I really needed to readjust my plans and my career plans. Uh, but I always loved sports and I wanted to somehow get in sports. I thought I wanted to be, get into broadcasting, to be honest with you, and do the um, do play by play for, for baseball and football and hockey. Uh, I went to college and I did the, uh, you know, did some broadcasting in college and I listened to my tapes at the end of my sophomore year and I realized I really uh, stunk at it. I was terrible. So I realized I had to do something else and, um, you know, just wanted to stay involved in sports somehow. And so I started here as a, as an unpaid intern with the wings in 1990. 
um, and just basically did everything that nobody else wanted to do. Um, and, uh, you know, did some sales and, you know, a little bit of everything, um, and kind of learned the organization from the ground up. And, uh, it was a tremendous learning experience from, for me and I'm still learning things every day. Will. so, uh, it, it's been a blast and, uh, you know, really happy that, uh, the Red Wings gave me a chance, uh, a long time ago. Yeah. And, uh, I believe, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but, uh, because I got some of this information off of Wikipedia and you know how Wikipedia can be. It's not always uh, the most accurate, but I believe the last time the Red Wings won a championship was in 1997. That's correct. But let me just remind you that I have nothing to do with what happens on the field. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I, uh, that's, that's funny. That is funny. Uh, you know what they want. Take all the credit you want. Yeah. Right. Right on. Um, but just take us back to 1997, if you can. Uh, what what are some of your long lasting memories from from that uh, team? And uh, just talk a little bit about that. Well, that I could not have written a better script for that particular season because a lot a lot of folks may recall that 1997 was our first year here at Frontier Field. And anytime you open a new ballpark, there the excitement um, level is off the charts. So when you coupled the excitement of opening a new ballpark with the excitement of a team that was it just uh i was just telling josh wetzel the other day we were talking about um uh, this this date in red wings history um and he asked me about something that happened in 1997 and i said well we must have won that game because it felt like we won every single night i mean the team that we had just they played so well and obviously we didn't win every night but um it just seemed like it and they were just a fun group of guys. And uh, for me, that was also a time when I was pretty much the same age as a lot of the players. So what was really fun for us is, um, you know, we all worked very hard, um, but at, we also hung out together after the games. You know, a couple couple of the players lived with a couple of the guys that, that worked here in the front office at the time. and. You know, Fridays and Saturday nights, we go out after the games together and, you know, members of the front office and, and members of the team. And uh, it was just a magical year. And to win it all um, and had record attendance, it just everything was like uh, it was literally a dream season. And as a guy that that has been with the organization for as long as you have and to know that the, the championship was won in, in 1997, do you get to impart on some of the new players that come into the organization that this takes a lot to win because look, we won it back in 97 and it's, it's taken, you know, we haven't gotten back to that point uh, since then. So do you get to impart some of that to the new players? Well, you know, I think that's really the role of our, our manager and our, our coaching staff. Uh, Cause again, they, you know, um, they're the ones that are kind of making those decisions on who's going to play for us and, um, and motivating the players and things like that. Um, my role is more to, and the, those of us here in the front office is really to run the business side of the organization and to make sure that when you, your family, your friends can come out to a game that you have fun. Cause you know, my title is GM, but it could really be director of fun. Cause that's what we're here to do is to make sure that people have a blast whether they like baseball or they don't like baseball, um, that 
that it's worth their time and worth their money and that we provide a great entertainment experience. And that's really what we're, we're here to do. So in terms of motivating the players, I think we do what we can um, uh, to, uh, to make their time here in Rochester as, as pleasant as possible and to give them all the tools that they need to, to win and to have success and to develop uh, as people and as ballplayers. But um, in terms of motivating them, it's, it's really more, um, you know, it's really more on our coaching staff than it is. Uh, sure. For me. Sure. Uh, so let's talk about that because I have to tell you, my friend, you might be, and not that I travel around to a lot of minor league ballparks, but you might be one of the most visible uh, general managers uh, because you're, I think uh, whenever I'm at the ballpark, I see you running around and where do you come up with some of these ideas that, that, uh, like you just said, bring people that aren't even fans uh, of maybe baseball uh, to the ballpark. You had the uh, the it was they were the Rochester Plates a couple times, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So where does where does where do all these ideas come from? Because you constantly have to be recreating things. Yeah, we're really in the entertainment business more so than in the baseball business, and we have a an amazing creative. Uh, hardworking, dedicated staff that, um, and many of them are Rochester natives and we love, we love our town and um, we love what it stands for. And, and we love this team because this is the team that we all grew up watching and coming to the ballpark, uh, you know, uh, watching games. Uh, we're all big wings fans. Uh, we're wings fans first and foremost, and, and obviously uh, employees. Uh, so We've got a great creative staff that, and we have meetings quite a bit and just talk about what can we do to um, inspire people to come out to the ballpark, whether they like baseball or they don't like baseball. We throw 72 parties a year is the way we look at it. And we try and have a different theme every night. Every, every night is a party. And, um, you know, whether it's uh, fireworks or whether it's a giveaway or the office night or plates night, uh, we play as the plates every Thursday. Um, we play as the Rochester plates, or we like to say around here, Thursdays are for the plates. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, whether it's, whether you're, you're young or old, you know, we've got something for everybody, um, to give them an excuse or a reason to come to a game at some point out of our 72 games. Um, at some point we're going to offer something to everybody in our community that, um, is going to interest them and, and make them want to come out to a game. Can you think back in all the years that you've been doing uh, what you're doing, some of your favorite promotions that you've run? Oh, sure. I think, um, boy, I think, you know, obviously that plates night was a huge success. It was really a lot about Rochester pride. And that's what a lot of our promos are geared towards is just having pride in our community and, and promoting and highlighting some of the great things about our town. Um, I think, uh, you know, having Zippy Chippy, which is renowned as one of the worst horses, uh, horse, horses in horse racing history or the losingest horse in horse racing. History. I don't think he ever won a race. Yeah, not maybe not against another horse. But um, so when he was struggling against other horses, I think he was 0 and 88 at the time. Uh, I called up his manager and I said, hey, yeah, I know you're struggling to, to beat another horse. Uh, why don't you? 
after I beat one of our players. And uh, so we had um, we had one of our players race him. And would you believe would you believe it that our player actually beat him? Um, and then, uh, you know, he won a rematch. So we did it the following year and, and Zippy did win. Uh, and then we did it again one more time and, and Zippy won again. So he's two and one against humans. And I think, oh, and maybe a hundred or 110 against something like right? it's so funny that you bring up Zippy Chippy because it's just ironic. I was just, we were talking a couple friends and I were talking horse racing the other day and, uh, Zippy's name got brought up. So to get his name to be brought up on the podcast is kind of ironic, but I do remember that. And weren't you going to have, uh, you were going to have some, uh, you invited some lady who kind of spoke bad about Rochester in a, in a yes, in an op-ed or something that she wrote. Yes. So Can Maureen you tell Callahan, me about that? Yeah. Maureen Callahan, a writer for the, uh, for the New York post had wrote a story about Wegmans coming to New York city. And in the article, she mentioned that Wegmans was from grim and depressing Rochester, New York. So we immediately offered her uh, the opportunity to visit our grim and depressing city. And, um, and she's been a, an amazing sport about the whole thing. Um, it kind of took on a life of its own. And uh, we were all set to have a grim and depressing night here last year in 2020. And of course, the season got canceled, so we didn't get to do it. So um, but, it, you know, in the meantime, we had a, a whole line of grim and depressing T-shirts and hats that folks could buy. And um, we sold a ton of them because uh, everybody, you know, has great pride in our in our community. Um, and obviously, we all know it's it's not grim and depressing to live here. Um, it is definitely not, especially especially when you go to a Red Wings game. No doubt. Um, we have to get her here for uh, for a game at some point and celebrate our our grim and depressing city. <laughs> there you go, and then she'll be like, "I was wrong all along." No uh, you have some of the greatest merchandise in the world, and I imagine that it comes from your creative team as well. But just talk about how you 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 turn that into to something that people look forward to. I know uh, a friend of mine messaged me when I if they found out I was having you on the podcast wanted to be, me to ask you about uh, if you had any plans to do any more bobbleheads uh, because they love the bobbleheads. Oh, absolutely. We're going to do some bobbleheads. We did, uh, well, we did the Conehead Talking bobblehead earlier this year. Uh, we did a Williams Astadio bobble shell. Williams is one of our more popular players. Uh, his nickname was La Tortuga or is La Tortuga, and uh, which is turtle um in spanish and uh so um we had a, a you know williams with uh with a bobble shell um actually i might have one right here let's see if we can see it so you can you can see it uh oh look at that there you go that is so um, cool and also we'll be doing a later on this year we'll be doing a a milo bobble tail uh milo the bat dog um a very popular figure here at, at Frontier Field, a, a dog that goes out and fetches bats. And we're hopeful that as things loosen up and Major League Baseball protocols loosen up, we'll be able to get Milo out here at some point this season. And um, and when we do, we'll be doing his bobble tail promo. That would be amazing. And I know you did an Uncle Phil uh, uh, two years ago now, right? Uncle Correct. Phil, who yep. is a, a staple at the ballpark. Uh, 
and uh, is beloved by many. Uh, a Rochester legend, true and true. Yeah. In fact, he came up and visited the uh, suite that I was in because he wanted a he he needed a a, a Swigel's hot dog, and uh, you know, he had that uh, his tagline, "Uncle Phil loves you." And yes, you, you can't you can't help but have a smile on your face when you're around Uncle Phil for sure. No doubt. And I'll have to talk to him about stealing your hot dog there. So sorry. Oh, well, he didn't steal. He didn't steal. I gave I it. We had an extra one. I gave it to him. I know. I, know. I said, He's Uncle Phil, here you go. You always, gotta, you always got to keep a guy like that on your side. I, I do every day. Trust yeah, me. Absolutely. He's the best. Uh, talk to me about, I know that you work more on the business side, but with some of these younger players coming in and they might not be familiar with the city of Rochester. Uh, as a guy that grew up in the area and has been here your whole life, um, wh what kind of, I'm sure that they have great things to say about Rochester when they're here uh, with the organization. Is oh, it, no doubt. Yeah, is it, is it, do they, so do you show them around? Do they, how do they, how do they acclimate themselves to the city? Yeah, I think it, they, um, you know, they'll ask us, it depends what their interests are. Some love to golf, you know, so we kind of fill them in on the, on the best places to golf. Um, some like to fish. So we, you know, we kind of tell them, Hey, we got a pretty big lake, uh, pretty close by here. That's great for great for fishing. So a lot of the guys go out fishing on their off days. Um, but I think people are amazed generally speaking at all that our city has to offer, you know, um, and I think, you know, many of them are in different points of their lives. Some have, you know, wives and kids. So the, the guys with kids, you know, they'll want to go to Strong Museum or uh, to Seabreeze uh, or do other kids activities um, that we kind of point them in the right direction in. And, and like I said, other guys are just all about trying to play golf or, or going fishing or uh, obviously all of them want to know where to go to eat. Um and, and where to live, you know, so we try to point them in a, in a direction that um, we can highlight some of the great areas and, and things to do in our community. I, I would be, I would assume that when they hear about the garbage plate, they're like, some of them are like, what is this that you're talking about? Yeah, we have to definitely indoctrinate them and, and get them a plate for sure. It, it might not be part of the, the uh, diet during the season, but you got to try at least one, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, once they try it, then they're hooked. Yeah. What what is what is one th as general manager of the Red Wings, and with all your time that you've spent here, what is one thing um, that you've learned uh, because you worked your way up through the organization? So, what is one thing that that you've learned that you take with you on a daily basis that maybe you try to impart into your younger staff? Um, as sure. the general manager, I I once met um, a guy named George Toma, and George is probably the most renowned groundskeeper in uh, in the history of groundskeepers. He does he works the Super Bowl, the World Series every year. He's about he's close to ninety years old now. Wow. Um, yeah. So we it was this was dating back probably twenty or so years ago. We brought George in. We were having uh, a couple issues with our field and. Um, he had done some work with the twins, so, uh, we knew him and, um, our, our groundskeeper was interested in having him come up here 
and taking a look at the field for us. So we brought him up and we had a meeting, you know, two days of meetings with him. And he, you know, he said, uh, thank you for having me. Um, and he said, I'm going to give you three words to, to live by. And, and obviously you guys live by these three words uh, in all that you do here with the Red Wings. And he said, and then some. And, um, and that really struck a chord with me. And th those three words are things that I try to live by every day. And, you, you know, and that's to do everything you're supposed to do and then some. Um, just a little bit extra and the little things make a difference. Um, and if you put a little bit of extra effort in than what you're accustomed to or, or what you're supposed to do, then I think that that'll pay big dividends for you. And those are just, you know, I'd never really thought of it uh, until I talked to, uh, to George. And, um, but those are three words that I try to live by every day. Yeah, that's very, that's very cool. Uh, I'm interested because you were talking about bringing him in because you were having some issues with the field, but uh, you know, because it's such a big undertaking, right? How many people do you have that actually work uh, for the organization? I mean, we, we're talking from groundskeepers to there's just a lot that goes into running a ballpark. Yeah, no doubt about it. We have about, um, about we have probably about 20 to about 20 people full time here in the front office and another probably six or seven full time um, with our concessions company. Um, you know, so it's it's a but obviously during the summer, we have a lot of part-time workers, you know, groundskeepers, concessions employees, suites employees, uh, kitchen staff, um, you know, security, ushers, ticket takers, ticket sellers, uh, cleaning crew. So, you know, it's, um, it, it's we, we definitely have a lot of people that work here. And, and thankfully, we have a lot of people that come back to work here, especially our part-timers that come back on a, on a yearly basis, right? You know, the, the, our full-timers certainly um, I think our continuity is one of our strengths and we've been able to retain a lot of our full-time people here for a long time. Um, but also we've been able to retain a lot of our part-time employees who we only see in the summertime uh, for a long time. And, and they know they've bought into our culture here uh, at Frontier Field and, and our fan, fan first uh, way of thinking. And, um, you know, it's nice to have hardworking, dedicated people who believe in your product and uh, can live your product every day. Um, and the, another, you know, you have some of the greatest food selection I've ever seen at, at a ballpark. And it seems to me that you come up with new things every, every season. Are there any new uh, things on the menu that people can be looking forward to? Well, I think, you know, with COVID and, um, you know, we're, we we had to kind of scale like a lot of restaurants had to. We had to scale back our our menu a little bit. Okay. We still we still are offering quite a few um, different entrees. Uh, you can still get if you're a season seat holder and you come to uh, sixty games this year, you can still get a different entree at uh, at pretty much every game that you come to. So um, still a lot to eat out here, and and I appreciate what you say. We have phenomenal variety and phenomenal uh, quality here in our concessions operation. And, and we really consider ourselves to be Rochester's largest outdoor restaurant. So, um, you know, a lot of, like I was saying before, a lot of people have different reasons for wanting to come to a game, but one thing that'll get everybody to come to a game is because they can have great food. 
uh, is to eat and drink and, and have fun with your family and friends. For sure. And it and it's reasonably affordable, too, as well. So you can bring a family of uh, four and and uh, not feel like you're um, breaking the bank. So that's important as well. For it's sure. interesting. I got to tell you, one of my favorite things that you guys came up with, and I'm sure you still have it since you do the, the plate. You said you do the plate night every Wednesday. Is that right? Every Thursday. Every Thursday. Thursday yes. is plate night. I love the garbage plate in a in a can. Do you still do that? The trash can, sure. The we trash do. can. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a cup of uh, mac salad and home fries with um, with hot sauce. So yeah. and it is delicious. So it's portable deliciousness. That's a, like we that's how we refer to it around here. It's very easy to eat while you're at a ballpark. That's for sure. No doubt. I want you to take us back in the last uh, little bit of time we have here. Take us back to uh, Silver Stadium because you said you worked your way up. Can you give us some memories, maybe one or two memories from the old ballpark? Because I know that everybody was excited about the new ballpark, Frontier Field, and it's an amazing ballpark. But I think there was a little bit of sadness in saying goodbye to uh, Red Wing Stadium and Silver Stadium. And so can you give us some memories from that time? Yeah, I, I worked there from 1990 to 1996, and, uh, you know, we had some really great teams during that that stretch. Uh, we won my first year in 1990, so that, that was, uh, that was a, you know, uh, a terrific memory. Got a ring from that season and uh, just had an, an amazing team and an amazing run throughout the whole season. Um, and I love Silver Stadium. That's where I grew up going to watch games and having a chance to work there, it only – um, my appreciation for that place only grew. And um, while, you know, we didn't have the creature comforts there that we have at Frontier Field, it definitely had a charm to it that um, was special and unique and very Rochester. And uh, so there's, you know, there's days where I do, I really do miss Silver Stadium. And I think, you know, one of my favorite games, if I had to list, you know, my top five games I've ever worked, the last game at Silver Stadium would definitely be on that list. It was uh, it was one of the most um, fun nights uh, and sad nights and, um, you know, great feeling of anticipation of getting into to Frontier Field. It was just all so many different emotions went into that that night. And we had to try to celebrate 68 years. Oh, I don't know if we froze up there or not. I don't know. Let me see if we can get. We've lost Silver Stadium. Oh, we got you back. We can you just say that last? Can you just say like the last thirty seconds of that? What you were saying because you froze sure. up there. Yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, I think you know the final game at Silver Stadium was one of my favorite nights uh, since I've ever worked here because we got you know, we were faced with the awesome challenge of putting together. Oh, we've lost uh, Dan completely. So we'll see if we can get him to rejoin with us. Just bear with us for a couple of seconds. And he should be able to come right back. I think this is a, this podcast is a great look into, it kind of pulls the curtain back on, on what it takes to run a uh, uh, minor league baseball team. Uh, 
from from the ground up and you're getting to hear from a man who has been doing it since uh 1995 as general manager of the rochester red wings so let's just bear with us for a second see if we can get uh dan to jump back in um he might have sent me a message so let me just see uh what's what we've got going on thanks for bearing with me for those of you that are watching the uh podcast i do appreciate it um and here he is he's back oh all right hey you're back i'm back all right that's all right that happens every now and then it's, wheels i have no idea i have no idea what happened there it's it's the uh it's modern technology right dan it's so great but yet it's so frustrating all at the man, same oh time man. i didn't touch anything i swear that's all right um, so anyways i was just just talking about over stadium and and uh, the great responsibility that my staff and I had to kind of capture 68 years of uh, silver memories into one night and um, you know it was so it was so cool bringing back former players and and so many other people that had uh, uh, you know that meant silver stadium meant so much to them and to our fans and uh, so it was just such a, an incredibly wide range of emotions from happiness to joy to sadness uh you know we passed out kleenex that night to the first 5000 fans and um but everybody had a great time and it was a it was as good of a farewell party or a retirement party i should say that you could ever hope for and uh, something i'm very proud of uh oh, we're having trouble with the internet on uh here so we'll see if we can get him to reconnect and i think what we're going to do is probably oh there you are your internet is cutting out so i think what we're going to do is we'll probably end it here but i do want to ask you one final question if i can because sure. i know you've had, you've had the opportunity to win a championship with the red wings and you were talking about that where do you display your your rings my friend and how often do you put them on? We've lost Dan one more time. So I want to see if we can get him back one more time just to answer that question. Um, this happens every now and then with technology. And here he is again. So give me one second while I bring him back into the stream. Second time's a charm. That's what I'm going to say, Dan. I swear to God, I didn't touch anything again. That's all right. I don't know what's That's going not, on, Wheels. It might but, just be um, it might just be an internet thing. Um, and rings, I have them uh, at my house. I don't wear them a whole lot, but uh, occasionally I'll break them out for special occasions. But um, certainly they mean a, a great deal to me and bring back so many awesome memories of of those particular seasons and the the players and the coaches and the managers uh, that I got to work with that year. Those years. Well, very good. Thank you so much, Dan Mason. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Wednesdays with Wheels. I hope you enjoyed it. Get yourself out to the ballpark. You can have a better experience. Get your family out there. Uh, a safer experience, by the way. You can't have a safer experience because they've got the two sections. And if you're vaccinated and you want to sit with your friends in the unvaccinated section, we need to reiterate that you can do that. Uh, and the other thing that you're doing that I thought was uh, cool and, and very forward thinking is you're selling 
tickets and just talk about this real quickly but you're selling tickets a month at a time just in case something changes yeah in case things get better in case that uh, you know the uh, it's just in case we're just a ballpark again without vaccinated sections and unvaccinated sections you know if we can just get back to being 100 percent capacity and uh, and just being a ballpark again then uh, for that reason, we're putting tickets on sale one month at a time. So uh, tickets, the next uh, tickets are on sale right now for our homestand June 15th through the 27th. And um, and then we'll put tickets on sale on June 21st for the first homestand in July, which would be July 6th through the 11th. Beautiful. Sounds great. I will be out at the ballpark very soon and I'm going to look you up, my friend, and we're going to say hello to each other in person and can't wait to do that. Thank you so much for doing this. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. We'll see you next week with another very interesting guest. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you, Wheels. Okay, Dan.